to the pirate professor podcast oh my god i made an alliteration all right so um i am just gonna go ahead and roll with this thing uh this is episode number one and it's probably gonna feel like episode number one so let's just go ahead and deal with it and uh, go from there so backstory i am this is billy reader I am a, I teach journalism at Arkansas Tech University, and here in the middle of the COVID world, um, education is getting a little, it's getting, it's changing, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a little bit chaotic, uh, and as uh, Hunter S. Thompson said, you know, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. So we're here to try to turn pro today. Here is kind of the gist of things. Um, I want to do something different for online education. Like I'm, As of right now, the university is supposed to go back and we're supposed to do these in-class classes, but yeah, there's so many different things that we've got to do in order to have those and there's a whole lot of hoops that people have to jump through and so we've also been kind of told like look we could go and, and have to pivot and go online just at any time either you know before classes technically start or you know soon after so the way I'm looking at it is like any moment um, everything can change and so they've been spending a lot of time trying to get people to learn how to use online education stuff and admittedly I wasn't a big proponent of uh, of online education just because I've seen the way a lot of students use it um, and I've seen and even in the way I've used it sometimes you end up creating more busy work than an education um, and so what my goal is here today is to create something that is definitely not just busy work and also something that uh, students actually want to use and um, try to learn something and so I teach multimedia journalism and um, so I thought why not just use the tools that are available so I've got blackboard and I just don't want to do a pot a, a, a online lectures where I'm staring into a webcam 
because I know good and well students don't watch those things. Um, and if they do, it's reluctantly. So I thought, well, maybe if I can create something that's a little more, um, down, use the medium of the day, use the stuff that, you know, if I'm actually going to teach how to do podcasting, things like that, then why don't I actually just do a class this way? Um, use the technology that's available to me and try to do it in a little bit more interesting way. Now, this may not feel like that. This may just feel like I'm rambling and there's a certain degree of truth to that. But as we go, um, I'm just going to run with it. So before we get started, you know, I thought I'd just do some stuff like, you know, make some music in there, do something, just try to make it a little bit interesting so somebody can download it while they're driving, mowing the yard, whatever it is they do, uh, they can play. So I'm going to get started, but first I'm going to play you a song from Palace called I Want What You Got. You're my savior, light up the dark 
So one of the things that uh, all my students who have gone through my in-class classes before always know that um, one of the things I always start out, almost always start out with, is I'll just go down the row and say, hey, tell me something interesting. And so I guess on episode one, there's not really much of that that we can do except maybe in a comment section somewhere that I haven't established. But um, here's something interesting. Yesterday... I was planning on doing this, and I was also going to dual record it with uh, video, so I could uh, throw it up here on podcasting, and then also throw it up on YouTube, so people could watch it, uh, and so just listen to it, you know, be very um, uh, trendy, no, I don't know if trendy is the word, either way, um, it didn't happen, because I was in the process of doing something, I was working, doing some work on the house, and I needed to go to the hardware store, and... Um, I walked out my back door to get into my car and started to walk down the steps when I got stung in the eye, right on the eyelid by a red wasp. Um, After a lot of swearing and throwing things, I got back inside, put the... uh, Tried to put some vinegar on it, put some ice on it, tried to keep the swelling. Yeah, but no avail. Uh, took some allergy stuff. Nothing seemed to work. And my eye swelled obscenely until it just completely was closed off. And so one eye was completely shut down. And then the other one, like you know, because my face was all swollen, started um, vision was blurry in that. And that's just... There was no way. Like, there was just no way I was going to pull that off. So then I decided, well, I'll just wait till I'm pretty again. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. Um, I know how to do YouTube. But the podcast world seems kind of new, so I'm just going to go ahead and do this now. And while you don't have to look at me, and I think probably the world's a little bit better off because of that. Um... A few days ago... I was watching Dead Poet Society. Now, I'm a Gen Xer. And for a lot of Gen Xers, that movie hit home really hard way back in the day. Um, but I, I still watch that uh, every year about this time to kind of throw some inspiration onto the coming fall. Because summer's going away and we're trying to say goodbye to summer and trying to get excited about fall and trying to remind yourself of what you're doing, whether you, you know... That you want to do a good job. You want to do, you want to do this thing well. And you know, and for me, Robin Williams's character John Keating was he kind of, he pretty well set the gold standard for what a teacher ought to be. It was the right mix of of information and inspiration, and you know, motivating students to not just absorb information. But also, you know, learn how to think. Learn how to sort of look at the world with different eyes and try not to take so many things for granted. Um, I took it to a level far enough that I would, on the, open, the first day of class, I would have my students uh, recite Walt Whitman's poem, O Me, O Life. Just straight out of the gate. As soon as they walked in, they don't know me. I hadn't introduced myself. I would just put it up on the screen and I would make them start reading, you know, stanza by stanza and then talk about it at the end. And 
I know it's cliche, but to be honest, I really don't care. Um, because at least as far as I'm concerned, it's a reminder of what matters. It's, it was a reminder of what mattered to me. And specifically, what mattered to me as far as education and higher education specifically. Um, we can talk about public schools and, you know, the world of, you know, K-12 and all that. But, I you know, I teach college. Um, I teach in a world where, for the most part, my students have left home for the first time and at some form or fashion. You know, they're maybe living in a dorm, they may have an apartment. You know, they may be driving back and forth, but for the most part... This is the first time in their lives that they're they're on their own, um, and there's a lot of things that kind of personality stuff that changes during that time. Um, and so for me, I think you know it's important for them to uh, to f to get a good education, and and that that's more than just like trade school education. I'm I'm not here just to teach you how to ha you know get a job. Um, but too many people. So they think that the campus and the buildings and the classrooms are the university. And they're not. That's the packaging. All that stuff is just, it's a hollow shell uh, that contains what's really the university. And what's actually the university is the culture of learning. It's an interaction of, of students and with professors and students with other students it's you know people who don't know each other and come from different backgrounds and different perspectives getting a chance to be in the same room collectively and talk about things that you may not know so well you know i've been teaching for this was 16 or 17 wow i hit my microphone cord and shorted for a second sorry about that um yeah i've been teaching about 16 or 17 years and, you know, I still learn stuff every year. Um, you meet people with different perspectives. And if you come from a small rural town and there's only a certain variety of people there and everybody's kind of vanilla, um, being on a university creates an entirely, um, it's a different world. Um, it can be a bubble as well, but um, for my money, it's a different world. And that's, and that's, what Robert Persig, who wrote a book most famously called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, uh, he called it the Church of Reason. It's a state of mind, it's a state of learning where we seek out new knowledge and understanding. And we're sort of in this world right now that that's kind of lost. There's a lot of what's going been going on for years in public schools. Uh, that's sort of infecting higher education and on top of that higher education in many places is sort of becoming a business um, And so they treat it like a commodity uh, or they treat students like commodities rather than students um, I don't really want any part of that world. Um, I still hold something a little more traditional and old and um uh, sacred as far as I'm concerned I've been spending in kind of in that mind I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this coming school year and it's going to get weird let's just be honest it's already been weird last semester was weird 
with COVID coming around, it doesn't really matter what your perspective on it is. This is our reality. This is where we are. Uh, it's going to be chaotic. Um, and so the question for us is not just faculty, but also students uh, and the people who um, are in our immediate circles. I guess the question is, what's the next right answer? All right. It's not like we can sit and we can bemoan and whine and bitch about how things just this isn't fair and life sucks or it's a you know scamdemic or whatever people want to talk about the reality is this is where we are um and so what's the next right answer like how does the church of reason thrive in the middle of a pandemic and i'm not talking about how do they thrive from a financial standpoint i mean you go back to the original purpose of that institution. What's the next right answer? How does the church of reason thrive in the middle of a pandemic? And what I know for certain is it's not going to be found in some committee meeting discussing retention rates and social distancing. It's just not like those are conversations that are meant to protect the packaging. Those are conversations that are there to save an empty shell. And the thing about packaging is it's discarded over time. Like the university moves on, but the packaging falls away, falls apart, it gets tossed. And my job is to teach. It's not to preserve the packaging. And so if chaos is a soil of innovation, then let's just do something new. You know, I, we could sit and complain, like, how are we going to manage? How, what's the bare minimum that we can do? What's the bare minimum that we can expect to accomplish? Or, like, let's create something better, right? Um, I love teaching in a classroom. I love the face-to-face -face interaction with students. I love being able to read, you know, their, their expressions as I'm lecturing, as I'm talking, or having those conversations. I love creating awkward moments. Um... I love doing all that stuff, but it's also part of it is a bit of a, it's also a shell. It's also packaging. Um, at least from my perspective, it's also safe. Like I know what to do in there. I don't really have any doubts. I've been doing it long enough. I can just sort of walk in and take over and do my thing. And students seem to appreciate it. At least some of them, some of them, not so much, um, you know, I don't want to be safe. Like my job isn't to help you be safe. Colleges are not supposed to be safe places. They aren't. Well, God, we're going to go down this road. As far as ideas, the church of reason is not supposed to be safe. Ideas are dangerous. Ideas are supposed to be dangerous. Anyway, if they're not, they're probably not very good ideas. And as faculty, we're the priest of this church, right? It's our calling to be more than just faithful employees. You know, and as students, like, this is one of the things that's really sort of hurt uh, this current generation is they show up in a school, and I don't, it's not your fault because it's the culture you've grown up in with the public schools. Your job's not to show up and get good grades, your job's legitimately to show up and get an education. My job is to help provide that education. 
creating easy tests and make whatever so your GPA holds up so you can maintain your scholarship so you can maintain whatever else so it can go on your resume they're just numbers they're just packaging the thing that you can walk away with the education that you can walk away with that whatever bit of the church of reason that you can walk away with in your mind that's what we're after it's what we should be after it's what should, the faculty should be after that's what the students should be after we want to learn we want to be able to have as much ability to, to choose and ration or reason the next right answer you know like i said this semester is going to be chaotic but just because it's different doesn't mean it has to be broken in fact just because it's chaotic doesn't mean it can't be actually better than it was before you know just because teaching looks different that doesn't mean that we can't be better than we were before and as a journalism professor, I'm not going to lie about something. I'm going to be just pretty straightforward. There's times that I have serious doubts, like like moral responsibility doubts about what I teach. Um, it's not that I think journalism is bad. Just the opposite. It's, it's ridiculously hard to be a journalist these days. One of the things that I don't just teach, I practice. And, and so every time I tell somebody what I do... Like somebody who's not a journalist, I brace for an insult. We're in that you know world of everything is fake news. And on top of that, every time I publish a story, um, I wait for somebody to call me a liar. And as a freelancer, especially if I'm trying to do something for print, it feels like I'm, I'm trying to race to the next magazine that will publish a story of mine that I may spend, you know, I may spend 40 to 80 to plus hours on a story and I'm trying to get it published somewhere and it, sometimes it feels like I'm just racing to find a place that will publish it before that you know magazine goes out of business and so one of the things that I really have to, to deal with is to ask myself if I really want to encourage people to pursue this profession knowing good and well that most of my students if they ever actually start working in a journalism job at all the majority of them will give it up by the time they're out of their 20s. Like it, it, For a lot of them, it's just not worth the hassle. It's not worth the lack of money. It's not worth the stress. It's not worth the grief. But some do stick it out. And, and then I th think, again, my job's not to necessarily to be a trade school and just people to teach you know people how to get a job that's part of it that's not all of it I keep teaching because words matter because people are hurting and because the world needs honest voices and those honest voices can show up in all kinds of places it doesn't necessarily have to be in a newspaper So maybe I can suggest that we revisit the words of Uncle Walt, just kind of like I, I did at the beginning of my other semesters in class. I remember Walt Whitman was a guy, he was a poet, he was an American poet. He was a gay man who lived during the time of the Civil War. He served as a nurse, um, helping wounded soldiers. Um, 
He saw the end of the war. He saw, you know, what happened after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. He saw a lot of things. He saw a very chaotic world. And I, I can't help but think for a guy like him, there had been a lot of moments where it was just like, why, why, why even bother? And so let's start out with Omi Olife. Omi, O life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of the cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself, for whom are foolish than I, and whom are faithless, of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects mean, of the struggle ever renewed. Of the poor results of all, of the plotting and the sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest of me intertwined. The question, O oh me, so sad recurring, would a good mid these, O oh me, O oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists, an identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Of all that's going on right now, you have a voice. You get to tell your story. And I'd like to admit it's not just that you get to contribute a, vo a verse. You will contribute a verse. We all will write stories with our lives. The question is, is your story going to suck or not? The real question is whether the story that you are going to write with your life is going to be worth reading. Is it going to be a story that anybody is going to want to remember? The real question, what will your story be? So to my students, both past and future, speak truth to both power and stupidity, but weigh carefully that truth before you speak. Because the words you write may very well be the final weight that tips the scales to make another life better. In a world where words are considered disposable, treat yours as sacred. Craft them and shape them with both creativity and discipline so that you may know that you told your story with accuracy, beauty, and conviction. Treat your words as if they matter, because they do. And let your words and your lives be both beautiful and deliberate. Welcome back to class, everybody. I'm going to take us out with a uh, song from a band called Lucero. It's just called The War.
myself first Now I know that don't sound right Don't think too bad of me Now it keeps me up nights What I could have done differently Said, boys, he was killed tonight. Down with Lord Paradise. One boy spoke up, said, Preacher, come on, eat your supper with us. I'd be no guest at the table of the Lord. His food was not be mine Cause I cursed his name Every chance that I could I recognize why I'm still alive